All right. Well, welcome to another edition of Destination Players Podcast. It seems very odd because I'm running solo on this one for the first time. And uh, so you're going to have to listen to me the entire time, which should be thoroughly exciting. Uh, but we do have a special guest with me today. We have Ian Blomgren from Full Throttle Battery. Ian, welcome to the show, man. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. And uh, I, I know we're talking on the phone right now, but uh, last week we spent a full week together in Idaho. I'm sure you're sick of me by now. <laughs> I won't get rid of you just yet. Yeah, Ian and I and the rest of the uh, Full Throttle crew, crew and the group from, oh gosh, yeah, now I'm blanking. Look at that. I just Fueled UTV. Fueled UTV. Fueled UTV, Ian and I and our show. We're on the road in northern Idaho last week filming an episode of Destination Polaris. Wasn't that great? That was a great time. The weather held up for us. Got a little chilly and a little rainy, but uh, all in all, what a week. What a week. What a week. Now, it's been a number of years, Ian, since we were in Idaho. And uh, my bad. <laughs> because being in Idaho and filming there is never disappointing. All right. So I can go two ways with this. I can answer it like a local. Right. And I can answer it truthfully. Answering like a local is, this place is terrible. Avoid it like the plague. Or if I answer, ask, answer it like a tourist, I would say it's one of the best places to ride in America. Absolutely. 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 And and I don't know if people just don't, Idaho isn't on their radar for whatever reason, but it has so much to offer because there's just so much riding to be had in the entire state. Without without question, you know, their side by sides are just not uncommon out there whatsoever. I think from a proximity standpoint, though, you know, you've got the better part from Vancouver, B.C. down to Eugene, Oregon. You've got millions upon millions of people on that I-5 corridor, but it's, it, you know, it's a 300 mile drive over. And uh, I think people just get used to a certain type of riding and that becomes and they find their little honey holes and maybe sometimes just don't take the venture out, which if I were to answer that question like a local, is just fine by them. <laughs> right, right, right. That is one true thing is when you go there, you just don't see a lot of people. Now, I know we're always filming during the middle of the week, so that's on purpose. So we, we can do what we need to do and feel safe while we're out there in terms of having people on the trail. But For sure. otherwise, you know, you're just not I don't feel like you're running into a ton of people when you're riding in Idaho. Yeah, I mean, when you're going into an area that has the better part of 900 miles of tr usable trails, the odds of coming across somebody, especially during a weekday, are pretty minimal. Yeah, totally. Now, why is it that people just, I, I mean, I hear you, if you're a local, you're like, Shh, you know, I'm, on, I'm not telling you anything. But why is it that Idaho isn't sort of higher on people's to-do list? I, I think it's, I honestly think it's logistics. You know, the, the biggest and the most densely populated area of Idaho is in the southern portion down in Boise. And Boise, from a, uh, in terms of pass, in terms of the eye tests that you give Boise, it's much, it's much more brown and a lot less green than it is when you get up in the north. And I mean, there's a lot of diversity there, but that's where the majority of the people are down in, in that Boise area and that whole interstate corridor. But those guys have their riding areas as well. You know, you don't have to venture very far out of Boise to find a whole lot of fun. So when you get up into northern Idaho, like where we were at, it's supported by the Coeur d'Alene area, by Spokane. But as it sits right now, it really hasn't been too overwhelmed. 
I, I do think, though, when you're talking about Portland and Seattle, the big cities that are very close, it's a little it's a little bit of ways, a little bit of a drive for them to get over there. But also, I got to tell you, there's some great riding areas out of the Portland area, out of this uh, Pacific Northwest Washington area, especially like over in the Seattle area. Get up north of Seattle, there's no shortage of areas to ride. And then you got everybody's favorite. You got the Oregon sand dune. So I think a lot of people kind of opt for places they're familiar with. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And when you, you say Northern Idaho, where are we talking? Because when you mentioned, say, Northern California, it's like, okay, that's by San Francisco. But where, what part of Northern Idaho specifically, Ian, uh, is sort of the, the places to go? So for me, anywhere around the Coeur d'Alene area is fantastic. You're going to see a lot of uh, familiar sites to what we saw in um, in the Priest Lake area. And then you can even venture a little bit further east out to a couple. It's called the Silver Valley out there, which is a uh, Kellogg Wallace area. You know, Ke- uh, Wallace or I'm sorry, Kellogg right now is hosting one of the one of America's most extreme and gnarly hard enduro two wheel races now. So the area is expanding. They're getting a lot more eyes on it. But it is I'm telling you, it's an off-roader's paradise. If you like to go out and you like to explore, you get, you like to see very unique and beautiful scenery, as well as feel comfortable doing so because of the way that the laws are set up. It's such a great riding destination. And in terms of what I consider, me personally, what I consider kind of northern Idaho, I mean, you would say something like Lewiston North, but for me... I encompass McCall in there, which McCall is almost central Idaho. But the thing is, it's those off-road trails connect so well that I can leave McCall head north and never get out of a side-by-side and find myself in Coeur d'Alene. Right. Seriously. Right, right, right. So let's give people an idea of exactly where we were. because So we flew into Spokane. You drive over to Coeur d'Alene, grab a bite to eat or whatever. That's only about a half an hour um, from Spokane to Coeur d'Alene. And if you haven't been to Coeur d'Alene, you've probably heard of it, but it is a uh, awesome, awesome sort of, is it a resort? City, town, and what would you classify a Coeur d'Alene as? Well, Coeur d'Alene, you know, it's very, I mean, it's kind of, I mean, you almost call it like a resort destination for sure, just based on how beautiful it is. But much like Spokane, you know, Spokane is kind of, uh, in terms of what supports Spokane, it's education, it's healthcare, it's farming. And Coeur d'Alene is kind of linked to that too. You know, we were talking, you mentioned that it's about a half an hour away. Well, the towns are adjoined now. You go from Spokane to the Spokane Valley to Post Falls to Coeur d'Alene, they all connect. Like it never, until you exit Coeur d'Alene on its east side, you're in a city the whole time. So, I mean, it's almost like being from the Pacific Northwest, when when I ask where somebody's from in Southern California and they tell me Corona, I'm like, oh, you're from L.A. <laughs> <laughs> right. You right. Know, it's kind of similar up here where I just like, I mean, I tell people when I cross the country, when I go all the way across the country, when they ask where I'm from, I'm like Seattle, because that's all they'll know. If I tell right. them I'm from Cheney, Washington, they have no clue where that is. hundred percent. hundred percent. And then straight north of Coeur d'Alene, I mean, pretty much straight north, uh, you can run into an area uh, of town or I don't even know if you call it a town, but you go to Priest Lake. And that's where we went uh, for the week or part of the week to go filming. So Ian, tell people what Priest Lake is like and why it's such a great sort of place to ride. 
So Priest Lake, um, there's a show on TV called Outdoor Idaho that refers to Priest Lake as the gem of the north. And I kind of agree with that. It's a really beautiful area. The climate up there is almost similar to the Seattle area. It's so green and so mountainous up there that a lot of the clouds and cloud cover that comes in, it gets hung up in there. So the place gets a lot of snow. So Priest Lake takes on this uh you know, it's very much a resort destination. You've got generations of families that have had cabins up there right on the lake and they enjoy it year round for boating on the lake, for snowmobiling. It's a, it's a major winter destination. It is, uh, like I said, it's a recreation paradise, you know, in terms of what supports it, you've got, you got a little bit of logging, a lot of construction, but there's no shortage of people that are really kind of getting, uh, they're getting educated on what that area offers. And you're starting to see some people congregate up that way, but it, it just ha- so happens to have the better part of, oh, I've heard 700 miles. I've heard 900 miles of linked groom trails that you can go explore on. And uh, you, I mean, you can drive all the way to Sandpoint there. You can drive all the way south. You could drive all the way to Coeur d'Alene and never exit your RGR. Yeah, that's, that's just a few miles. Just a few, yeah. <laughs> just a few, just a few miles. Yeah, so we stayed right in, in, in town there, if you want to call it a town. Uh, they've got a few inns, not really anything substantial, motel, hotels, nothing like that. So you're going to have to either provide your own accommodations or uh, sort of call ahead because there are not that many places right in town. They have about one restaurant, a general store. In the summertime, much more options. Don't give me For sure. Time. And yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I think you and I had some uh, interesting experience with the Wi-Fi availability up there and the cell phone availability. You know, <laughs> that's always a factor when you yeah. go up to that a remote area. About Priest Lake area. There is no signal there. <laughs> there yeah, you are, I, I was telling you guys that you actually get better signal on trail <laughs> than you do in the towns. 100%. 100%. Yes. There's the, I think I was uh, at the, we say at the Priest Lake Inn, and while they had Wi Fi there, none of it worked in the room. No offense, Priest Lake Inn. Uh, you got to hang out in the lobby or go down to the lake. Uh, but that was about it for, right. for Wi Fi signal. But on the trail, yes. And Ian, you're right. I mean, uh, the trail system that we were riding, not necessarily uh, uber technical in the sections that we were at, but certainly. If you want to ride in a place where you get amazing views of a pretty large lake, they got it there. Well, and I'm going back to last year when you and I did that little trip up in northern Washington. We covered some pretty serious ground. I want to say that we did somewhere around 200 to 200 plus trail miles. And I judge your guys' happiness by how often you ask me to pull over. And in Priest Lake... We never went 10 miles. No. <laughs> you, you were pulling us over literally, I, I would say, five, every five, 10 minutes at the most, somewhere in there. It's, it's stunning. Yes, it is uh, absolutely stunning. You, you leave basically from the lake, more or less, and you get on the trails right away. And if you, I guess you had two options. You can head up towards the fire tower lookout or go the other direction that we went. And talk about that road going up to the fire tower again. So 
I've done it a couple times in a UTV and I've done it on a motocross bike. It is, uh, it's very steep. It's a lot of switchbacks. I wouldn't go so far as to call it super technical for an RZR because as you saw, an RZR gobbles it up with pretty much no issue whatsoever. But going down it, it's one of those things where you have those drainage ditch ditches, those drainage humps that are designed to funnel water and, and keep the, tr- uh, keep the road and keep the trail from eroding. Um, you uh, you got to watch your speed when you're going down that sort of stuff. But when you get up on top of that hill, I want to say Sundance Mountain is just shy of 7,000 feet. Right. You get a view, you get a panoramic of the entire lake and you get an appreciation of how big that lake is. And you can see Canada from up there because you're so far up north. And it's it's quite the view. And it's no, it's no wonder that it's a really, really popular uh, destination for snowmobilers, for uh, off-road enthusiasts and the like, even hikers. That's right. How many other people did we see when we were up there? Zero. Zero. Yeah. <laughs> Zero. Zero. Yeah. Zero on a Tuesday in early where, October. Uh, I've been the first one. During, yeah, yeah. I, I, there's been a few years where I've been the first one up there and on a calendar year. You know, you go up there and there's still snow and you don't see any tracks up there, just snowmobile tracks. So you're the first person to get up there on four wheels. That's quite an adventure because uh, that snowpack it takes a while for that stuff to bust loose. And, you know, fortunately these RZRs will do just about anything on the trail and uh, get get you places where you probably were never intended to go. No doubt. No doubt. That was our first day. And then our second day, we just spent the day more trail riding, getting more great views of the lake and going a different direction. Yeah. We, we started to head South of town and that's kind of where the trail system links up to some of the other communities. And we scratched the surface a little bit of what was available out there. I mean, we could have literally disappeared for hundreds upon hundreds of miles, but uh, it's very nice to get out and get in some of those clear cut areas that really open up some of those meadows and uh, get into some of those valleys as well. And you do not have to go very far from the Priest Lake Coolin area to get into that. Yeah, no, you don't. And for you, this is pretty much, I wouldn't say directly in your backyard, but close. Yeah, I would say from our farm to get up into that area, I can be on site within an hour and a half, give or take. It's really not that far. I mean, in actual miles, it's not very far, but as you've seen, it's a lot of two-lane. No, yes. No, I remember we got in the car in Coeur d'Alene, we started driving like, oh, it's only 70 miles, but that's two hours. Right, (laughs) exactly. It's only two hours. And then the other, we ditched you and then we went to Avery. Have you spent any time over in the Avery area riding? Avery has the greatest fried chicken in the history of mankind uh, at this tap house that's in town right by the general store. I've been through Avery multiple times and uh, that's one of my favorite summertime destinations because you can drive up the St. Joe all the way to Wallace, Idaho and get out and uh, take a dive. You know, it'll get up to 90 to 100 degrees. I, I don't think I've seen 100 up there, but it's not uncommon for it to uh, hang around 90 in August and July. And uh, getting out and jumping into that river is... Uh, let me tell you, that's an experience because that river, Dever, it does not warm up. If you haven't done the drive, so you head directly east out of Coeur d'Alene, and Avery's about two hours. So that was a pretty good haul for us when we left you guys in mm-hmm. Coolin and drove all the way to Avery, pretty much. Um, that drive along the St. Joe River is awesome. It's unreal. Yeah. Did you go through some of the tunnels that are out there? Well, we didn't. When we were driving, we didn't go through this, some of the tunnels. But you're, but I will tell you, we did uh, take the side by sides through some of the tunnels once we left Avery. 
totally not worth checking out whatsoever. No, no, yeah. no. I, I, there's not too many rides that we've done over the years where you can ride through old train tunnels, but Avery is chocked full of them. I want to say we went through e- 10. Even, even to this. Oh yeah. Even to the South, uh, as you head there, there's this, uh, kind of famous landmark because now if you remember last year, that run that we made in Northern Washington was on the backcountry discovery route. Yeah. That road that goes through Avery is the Idaho backcountry discovery route. So you were on that system the whole time and, and South of Avery a little ways is a, a landmark on that trail called the blue cabin. It's privately owned, but they leave it open year-round for uh, travelers, for hikers, for um, maybe even hunters. But a lot of adventure bike riders stay at that blue cabin. And I want to say it's probably, oh, on a trail, I'd be speculating here, but maybe an hour to two hours somewhere in there south of Avery. You know, I want to say it's maybe like 30, 40 miles, give or take. But that place has so many landmarks around there that are just unbelievable. Yes. Yeah. And you're spot on about the other activities because here's the deal. We leave right from Avery. We're riding. We go through a few train tunnels, which is always cool. And then we go over some old railroad trestles, which was one of them was 100 feet off the ground. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. And then we make our way all the way to the one of the ends. So it's I'm gonna, the historians are going to kill me for probably for butchering this, but uh, I think it's the old Milwaukee Road trail system that ran mm-hmm. through that area. And then we were on one section of that where the road basically ends and you can get off your side by side. You can either hike or you can mountain bike. And they have this whole mountain bike system back in there where you wow. can do that as well. And so we saw some people there getting ready. And so you can mountain bike. Uh, own designated trails that are not, so you don't have to worry about getting, you know, dealing with traffic out there side by sides, but their own trails that they can ride through some of the tunnels, ride over some of the areas. And it's saw quite a few people actually, um, riding their bikes up there the day we were there. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I was like, talk about somebody who wants to like do everything, hiking trails, biking trails, off-road trails. I mean, that area outside of Avery plus the St. Joe, if you love to fly fish, is one of the best fly fishing destinations in the country. Well, you literally just segued me unintentionally into what I was going to say next. Like if you, uh, what we're talking about is essentially the Spokane area, you know, I mean, plus or minus 50 to a hundred miles around the Spokane area. Um, Spokane is probably most notorious for the Gonzaga Bulldogs, right? That's and yep. yeah. And I mean, you and I are sports fans. So their head coach, Mark Few, they get a lot. They, there's a lot of questions as to why he never took a job in the Pac-10 or the ACC or the SEC. Well, what you just talked about is exactly why. He's an avid fly fisherman, and it's no secret to the locals around here as to why he hasn't taken those jobs. He doesn't want to leave these, this area. And, and you got to go ride the trails, and you see why. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I mean, I, I, we didn't have enough time. <laughs> I mean, we, that was straight up true. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, could we come back here and fly fish and then off road and then mountain bike? It just was. It's, it never stops. And no, it doesn't. And there's yeah, not. And it's year places. round. It is. It it is. And it's just not that many places you can do that. So that was. Um, and we only got a day there, and I was like, oh, I needed two or three days here to just uh, <laughs> hang out and have a little more fun because there are all sorts of. RV and campsites along the St. Joe uh, the entire way. And then the riding. I mean, it was just, we ended the day up on top of uh, Shefoot Mountain and mm-hmm. the Overlook and P 
people when they see this are going to be like, oh my gosh, you guys are insane to drive up there and the drop off on the other side. It's, it's like El Cap in Yosemite. It's like straight. Oh yeah. Vertical. Oh yeah. I've got some places I've been intending on taking you for a couple of years that are just like that too. Just there's uh, it's Idaho, man. There's just no shortage of it. It's unbelievable out here. And we've ridden some of those places in the past, Mackie and Stanley and all those places. And it's just, I could film an entire season of uh, destination players in Idaho without a doubt. No question about it. No question about it. Now you mentioned uh, last our last ride last season in uh, the Eastern Cascades on the BDR. For people who don't know what that means, Ian, and they're not that hardcore, what does BDR mean? BDR stands for uh, Backcountry Discovery Route. And those were put together, uh, I believe, you know, I'm probably, I'm going to have to ask for forgiveness here. I'm probably butchering it. But those were put together with uh, kind of a collaborative effort between Butler Maps, Touratech, and the Ride BDR crew. And if you go to ridebdr.com, Everything is all linked up there for you to get the resources you wanted to find to go attack those runs. And what those runs are, it's an off-road map series that has, as it sits right now, pretty much every state routed in the West, with the exception of Oregon, because Oregon has its own. And Oregon has its own website. Now, there is a backcountry discovery route in Oregon. It's just a different... I guess, like company or entity that manages it, that promotes it. But all of a sudden now I'm starting to see where the BDR, uh, where the crew that, that does these documentaries, they're starting to branch out to the East Coast. They've already done a Northeast one. Um, that's probably going to be logistically impossible for me to pull off in a side-by-side. But if you go, I, I've done two of these. And to the best of my knowledge, I'm the only person that's ever done them. My goal is five. And I'm going to try to take five of them down and, and get myself to five in the next 18 months. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking for to sort of take your uh, experience and your adventure <laughs> on the next step or the next level, tackling some of these BDRs is a great way to do that. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, it's it's no secret in the Northwest community that I do these. And I get a lot of direct messages about uh, lodging, this, that, and the other. And as soon as I see that, I'm like, hey, guys, uh, this might not be for you, man. <laughs> we, we, we camp on trail, period. You know, it's it's not, I'm, I'm not going to call it the most, uh, you know, there are some accommodations, but you better plan very, very uh, accordingly to put yourself into those positions. It's going to make for some long days if you're committed to doing that. <laughs> Whereas if you, uh, if you do it overland style, like I do, uh, you're, you're, I mean, over the definition of overland is essentially vehicle dependent, self-sustained travel. And I found that on these RZRs that you can set yourself up to do that without over making the car too heavy or anything of that nature. And really, really enjoy those trail systems and a machine that's built to tackle them. Overlanding. Yeah. Big topic. A lot of more people trying to do that. You might be more on the, uh, I wouldn't say extreme side, Ian, but more, definitely more experienced side. No doubt about that, where you can handle it for three or four days. Uh, but for someone who's maybe a little more beginner, trying it out for a night in your backyard, somewhere close to you before you tackle a week-long trip is not a bad idea. 
No, no question about it. You know, three or four days are going to be one of the shorter runs that we do. You know, typically like last year when we did Idaho, we uh, we actually drove south to the starting point for a day. So the entire run took eight days and we had a number of cars. I, I'd like to believe that if I was by myself and, you know, everything was functioning properly, I could turn that run in about th- uh, four to five. But, uh, you know, we, 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 took a, we took a crew out there to kind of document it, a group of photographers and cinematographers. So that's, you know, that definitely added a little bit of time to it. But, yeah, if you can get out and go, I think I even said it on the show, the more you get out and do this, the more, the more comfortable you get with what it is that you're bringing. And your, your car is probably going to get some stuff removed from it while some other stuff is going to get added to it. And like I said on the show as well, there's no right or wrong way to do it. It's a lot of trial and error. You know, if you bring things to eat, to drink, to recover yourself with, and to fix something, you're in good shape. It's a great starting point. Great starting point. Now, Ian and I just did this shoot. I saw you at the Sand Sports Super Show in uh, Orange County a few weeks ago. Uh, Ian, how was the show? That show is uh, my SEMA, no question about it. You know, we go we go to SEMA every year. Typically, we do Sandsport every year, and Sandsport's so amazing because it just puts you in a position to rub elbows with end users, and end users are where you're getting the real grit, uh, meat and potatoes of the overall full throttle battery experience. It's a phenomenal show for us, and it's a just a dedicated industry show because when you think Sandsports. You're thinking anything from uh, paddled trophy trucks to uh, sand buggies to the big Funko cars, uh, the Tatum cars. UTV has taken it over. No the doubt. show is, no doubt. I mean, I, I would say, do you think it's fair to say that, I mean, roughly about maybe 90 to 93% of that show is UTVs? I would say more like 100. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it feels like it. I mean, technically the name is Sand Sports Super Show, but that's you know this i don't know if there's any sand cars there anymore uh oh yeah we we were kitty corner from funko and tatum oh um, i guess you were i did yeah. see that was there sorry so i know it because we took them down oh they're gonna buy our yeah. batteries now <laughs> right right well yeah and and for people who don't know what you do i think you guys were the only battery people there am i mistaken the- yeah, there was one other competitor there that offers a dim- different chemistry altogether. But yeah, we, we, we are. And, you know, I, something that I'm, I'm really kind of coming to grips with is, you know, in the UTV spectrum, there's everybody has a favorite as it pertains to the aftermarket. You know, the, the aftermarket is so unbelievably vast in UTV and supportive of anything that you want to do with a machine. Uh, from a battery standpoint, we're kind of the only game that really pays attention to it. And it's it's paid off something fierce, you know, and, and it that might sound like some sort of marketing strategy. It, and, it, and it definitely has been uh, very, very fruitful for us. But we're very passionate about it. We're out there doing it. I own two myself. You know, the co- you know, the company has one uh, collectively over the course of like three to four machines just in the last three years. I probably put on the better part of 12,000 trail miles just on UTV. So it's not something that, it, you know, it's not something that we're marketing to because we see some sort of low hanging fruit. We're marketing to it because we love it. Talk about you guys' batteries and, and sort of what, you know, makes them different or what makes them unique. 
So our battery is called, it's a thin plate pure lead AGM battery. So essentially what it Speak is. Speak English, is, Ian, what does that mean? I know. Okay. <laughs> so a thin, a thin plate pure lead, like if you take a conventional automotive battery, they're put together, they're put together to hit a very particular spec. And that spec is set up by, oh man, you, you just can't avoid not going down the rabbit hole here, but that spec is set up by an institution called the Battery Council. And what they're doing is they're setting uh, amperage minimums for specific vehicles. And sometimes those minimums are set up by Ford, by Chevy, by Ram, all those entities. Well, we make an entirely different chemistry altogether. And there's only three companies on the planet that make that thin plate pure lead battery. And what you get out of a thin plate pure lead battery is you get a battery that is virtual. It's so difficult to agitate, to shake it to where, you know, the lead and it might, might actuate or might move to a point where the battery was short. There's just no room in those cells for that to take shape. So you could put our battery in a paint shaker and, and just shake it for days upon days, pull it off of it. And it's still going to function, <laughs> you know, so, you know, I'll, I'll quote a very famous off-road racer who once said, there isn't a metal and there isn't a material made in the world that can survive, that survives off-road. And he's not wrong, but our product is built to withstand just unbelievably ridiculous abuse. And there isn't anything that you could put into a machine that is more apt and ready to handle the rigors of not only off-road, but winching and audio. Because to do those two things, you have to throw a ton of power extremely fast, and then the battery on the back end has to accept a very rapid recharge. That's what thin plate pure LEDs can do. I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> There's my I know nothing speech. about batteries, man. <laughs> I know nothing about batteries. All I know is my kids are like, Dad, there's no double A's in the house. I know, right? <laughs> I need my remote control. There's no double A's for my car. All so. right. <laughs> fine, fine, fine. Yeah. So where is uh where where's Ian right now and where is Ian headed to next? Because I know the year's not over and you got more stuff going on. So Ian is in his kitchen currently, uh, staring out the window at my aircraft carrier of a trailer that you saw. Yep. And uh, I'm about to go take that RZR in to get it all detailed up because we're about to head to uh we're about to head to sand hollow utah for utv takeover man sand hollow everyone's talking about sand hollow right now is that place not unreal i mean it's, you ever wanted to wheel in the grand canyon that's a pretty close that's about great. as close as you can get great oh it's unbelievable yes if you don't know anything about sand hollow and you live anywhere with a thousand miles you should go there because oh, yeah. you're just going to be blown away. I feel like there's maybe a contingency of elite people in the United States that if they saw how much fun we were all having with these machines, they'd be like, nope, nope, yeah. too much fun. Take it away. <laughs> we got to shut it down. You guys shut it down. So UTV Invasion's going on. What happens at UTV Invasion? Oh, uh, this one is Takeover. This is. Oh, sorry, uh, Takeover. UTV Takeover. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so basically it is because there is a utv invasion but that's an that's that, that's up a it's hey hey buddy it's in idaho it's in idaho <laughs> yeah it's at saint it's at saint anthony right um utv but, takeover yeah utv takeover is now i'm really interested to see this one because that event started in coos bay oregon and i know you got some familiarity with coos bay right um 
essentially it's just thousands upon thousands upon thousands of UTV enthusiasts coming together for a rally. And at that rally, you've got an all encompassing trade show where you can buy supplies for your car. You can buy aftermarket accessories for your car. You can pretty much, if you can think of it, it is there from audio to axles, you name it, they got it. Then you get to go play in some of the most fantastic off-road terrain in America. So nothing about those UTV takeover events is anything less than stellar. They're amazing. There's some, you know, I, I typically am on site at 8 a.m., and I can get to 3 a.m. literally before I'm back at my trailer sleeping. And that and that's not even partying. I would love to tell you it's because some rock concert ran late. It's not what it is. You're just out there networking. I mean, that that RZR that uh, you that you filmed on the show, the full throttle RZR, you would not believe how much of that build came together from just meeting meeting people that create interesting products, shaking those hands. And really getting into a position where you get to know those people, you get to know their business. And uh, if there's one thing I've noticed about UTV is the industry really, really helps itself out. The, the awesome. companies, the companies that are involved really take it uh, very, they take it very serious in terms of helping the other companies that help them. Why am I not going? I don't understand. You know, I mean, we can have that conversation offline. It might be more like a lecture, but I was thinking more of a scolding, but yeah. 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 No, you definitely should. They're amazing. Then the promoters, the promoters, uh, like once you start going to those shows, you become part of their family. The promoters, they're, they're the best in the business, man. I mean, I could call those guys right now. I know who their kids are. And they know who mine are. I mean, it's just like I said, once once you've gotten into that event, once you start to feature in that event, it becomes it becomes ingrained into your business. And why wouldn't it? Because you're out there having such an amazing experience that it just becomes part of your perpetual plan. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, safe travels, man. I appreciate uh, you coming on and, and joining us and talking about all things Idaho. It is a, a great state to ride. There's there's so much to see, so many places to go. If you haven't been, I encourage you to make the trip there between they've got, you know, old ghost towns and mines and great rides and lakes and just so many places uh, to see and things to do. Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> there you go. There you go, man. All right, Ian, take care, man, and we will catch up with you uh, soon enough, buddy. Absolutely. Take care. See you.